It's that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the new week of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Absolutely a beautiful day in Louisville, in the Kentucky area. So, hope everybody had a good weekend. Lots to talk about today, so shouldn't waste any time. Uh, I'll give you a heads up. We're going to talk Kentucky's win against Ohio. Uh, that We'll talk a lot about that. So, I, if you want to get your voice heard... As always, tweet into the show. Let me know what you think about that game. We're going to talk Louisville's blowout win over Murray State. And we'll talk some other scores around college football. We'll we'll recap what happened in college football this weekend. Talk a little NFL. I'm sure I'll get to talk a little bit about fantasy. Uh, TV shows are booming right now, so we'll see if there's any time to talk about that. It's going to be a busy show, so I'm going to have to save that for tomorrow or uh, later in the week. <clears throat> and obviously, as you've heard, Ray Rice. I'm gonna have to give. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk about my opinion there. Don't want to spend too much time on that. Uh, anybody that's been on the internet today, or has listened to any radio show today, or if you turned on the TV to Sports Center, or, uh, any sports station, you've you've heard a, a variety of takes on Ray Rice. Most of them generally the same. So I, I won't beat a dead horse on that front and uh, in, in talking about that, but I, I, I'll start off with that. So Ray Rice video came out today of the incident that took place in the elevator with his then fiance, now his wife, married him after this incident. Uh, I think it happened maybe May 23rd or uh, around that time. So it's a few months old. Ray Rice got suspended two games for it. <clears throat> The NFL, uh, Roger Goodell felt that was a necessary suspension. He came out and apologized. His wife apologized for her part in the incident that night, which uh, is sad to think about. Ravens fans weren't happy about it. Uh, they're looking they're looking pretty dumb, but that that happens with fan bases. Their blind loyalty can be uh, a killer at times. <clears throat> so today, video came out TMZ, which. Uh, TMZ, if they've got audio or video of you doing something wrong, it can be the uh, the end of your career, as Donald Sterling found out, and now Ray Rice has found out. So they had video of uh, the security elevator, the security camera in the elevator of the incident. And if you haven't seen it, uh, you should watch it, unless yeah, it's you need to know what you're getting into, because it's, it's very graphic. So here's I'll, I'll break down briefly how the incident goes. They're walking to the elevator. It seems like Ray Rice's fiance kind of nudges her, taps her, does something. Uh, they get into the elevator. He gets in her face. Uh, there, there's some people think that he spits into her face. Uh, she brushes him off, pushes him off, and then you, you can't hear anything. And then she comes after him. Uh, on to the other side of the elevator, and then that's when the the punch occurs and and really knocks her out cold. Uh, the elevator opens. You can tell Ray Rice really doesn't know what to do. Starts to drag her out. Then thinks about dragging her back in. It seems like 
and then you can you can make there's somebody out there a stranger outside the other side of the elevator who comes over and you obviously don't know the conversation they had and eventually the video cuts off with her starting to get up obviously very hazy so it's a graphic video it's a it's a sad video so here here's my opinion of the incident first this video didn't necessarily it was eye-opening, just because anytime you see an incident like that, it should be. But he had admitted that there was an incident, and uh, an incident where she was hit. It's not like this was news. Again, this should still be eye-opening. This should still uh, be a topic of conversation. Ray Rice should definitely be... Uh, any punishment he gets, I feel is, well, I won't say any punishment, but I feel uh, almost any punishment he gets is necessary and deserved on his part. But I, I think the real losers here, besides Ray Rice, and don't get me wrong, he is a, a, a real loser, are one, the Ravens. The way the Ravens handled that entire thing was a disaster. Having a press conference, letting Ray Rice's wife speak at this press conference, tweeting the quotes tweeting a quote that said that uh, from Ray Rice's wife saying that she apologized for the part she played in this. And we don't know if the NFL or the Ravens had video of this. They're saying they did not. And you hope that's true. And if you find out it's not true, a lot of people are getting fired. A lot of people. And maybe the... You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back. Sorry, the internet seemed to have cut out there for a little bit, so we had straight to break, and now we're back, so hopefully the internet will cooperate the rest of the show. And if not, we uh, we can go telephone. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get radio to you one way or the other, so thanks for being patient. Thanks for sticking around. We're back. And that's uh, an early commercial break, so I'll be a lot of sports talk radio here for uh, for the next 20 or so minutes. So, uh, anyways, I don't know exactly when I cut out talking about Ray Rice, uh, but my point is the NFL, Roger Goodell, and the Ravens need to be held accountable. And, uh, again, not as much as Ray Rice, and, and like I said, Ray Rice should be in jail. And it it seems like he's not going to be able to, which is pretty unfortunate. Uh, I'm curious to see how that plays out exactly. But uh, the Ravens really messed up. The NFL really messed up. And I'm curious to see which steps they take uh, to to try to fix this to the best of their abilities. And, and you and you hope and you pray that Ray Rice's wife is in a a, a, a good spot, uh, out of harm's way again. And here's maybe an unpopular opinion. I, I don't think Ray Rice should be banned for life from the NFL. I don't think another team is going to sign him. I don't know why they would. Ray Rice is getting older. Uh, you had already uh, He had peaked in his career. I think most people would agree with that. He, he still, uh, I think, would be considered a top 15 running back in the NFL right now, but everybody knows the lifespan of a running back in the league. You're not on top for very long. And I think he was certainly on his way down. I don't think he deserves a lifetime ban for this because people make mistakes. And, and uh, I, I, people have said to me, well, do you think Donald Sterling should 
have deserved a lifetime ban. There, there's a big difference here. Uh, there is, and not, one's not better than the other. Uh, both of them are terrible, terrible, terrible things that have happened. But Donald Sterling, it, it's clear that he was trying to operate a business where he thought he was much better than his employees, uh, it, it mainly because of his race. That's a big problem. That's a mindset issue. That's something that dates back with him for years. And again, it probably shouldn't have taken the audio tape for for the NBA to realize that. But again, once it happened, he had cold hard evidence. You could get rid of him. That was in his blood. Uh, you hope that this uh, uh, domestic violence beating on people that are smaller than you, beating on girls, isn't in Ray Rice's blood? Uh, I, I don't know. You hope not? It, 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 again, I'm not sticking up for Ray Rice. He deserves to get cut by the Ravens like he did. Uh, he's likely not to, going to be picked up by another team because of his acts, his incidents. But it, it could have just been a mistake. So that's why I don't think he deserves a lifetime ban. You could you could suspend him a year. You could suspend him two years. I'd be okay with that. I, both those are going to be crippling to his career regardless. And I don't think you're ever going to see him in an NFL jersey again. So what I would honestly like to see him do is go serve time, come back, and then once time is served, then he's good to do whatever he wants. If he's learned from his mistakes, then p- people can change. Mistakes happen, regardless of how terrible they are. But it, it almost seems like he's going to avoid jail time, which is the unfortunate part. As a nation, do we think that Michael Vick is still a terrible person? I think for the most part, no. Uh, he got caught up in the wrong crowd, made a, a lot of bad mistakes. Animal violence isn't as uh, as serious as domestic violence, in my opinion, but still terribly wrong he served time he came back and had a lot of good football left to play and is still playing so i I really think jail time is the uh, an equalizer in a sense you sir you you commit a crime you serve your time and and you can prove where you go from there for michael vick it worked again for ray rice i think that would be the punishment he deserves forget the nfl forget the Ravens, they already botched this to begin with. So you wish that the legal system could step in. Again, I, I don't know if they can because it, it seems like the case has already come and gone. Maybe this video evidence will change that. I will say this for the Ravens, though. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter are, seem mixed whether or not to say good job by the Ravens to cut them. Uh, other people are saying bad job because they already messed it up. I don't disagree that they didn't already mess this whole thing up. It was kind of disturbing and disgusting what they did uh, throughout the whole process. That being said, at least they cut them today. Uh, At least they didn't wait. At least they didn't wait a week, wait a few days. They acted fast, so you have to give them credit for that. And That might be all the credit you give them in this situation, but at least you have to give them credit for that. They did cut him right away. What a joke by the NFL to say that they didn't have access to this video. How does TMC, TMZ get it? But the NFL doesn't. 
and watch out if it, if it comes out that the NFL did see this video and still gave him a two-game suspension. It's going to be firing after firing if that happens, and rightfully so. So that's my take on Ray Rice. Uh, it probably it probably isn't a very uh, unique take. It's, it's, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way, and you've heard it everywhere else. But as a radio host, and this being a very uh, hot topic right now, probably needed to weigh in on it. That being said, let's switch gears. Want to need to talk Kentucky's win over Ohio? Uh, a lot to talk about there. It's been you know two days, so uh, you, a lot of Kentucky fans maybe have already moved on, looking ahead to Florida, which we will certainly preview later this week. <clears throat> but there's a lot to there was a lot to take away from Kentucky's game against Ohio, and not all of them are good things in my opinion. There's still a lot of question marks, and and I don't. A lot of UK fans uh, on our message board and throughout Twitter and wherever it may be were pretty disappointed with Kentucky's win against Ohio. I, I wouldn't go that far for Kentucky fans. You shouldn't be disappointed. But maybe you should be more concerned now than you were heading into the game. Either way, though, you shouldn't be upset. Kentucky's 2-0. Mark Stoops has doubled his career win total at UK in two weeks. Regardless of how pretty it is, how ugly it is, he's able to win these two games. And think of it this way. And if you are a Kentucky fan, especially if you've been a Kentucky fan for quite some time, how many times does Kentucky play a game like they did Saturday? You could call it uninspired. I definitely wouldn't say the defense was uninspired. But you could call it a sloppy game conservative to an extent, especially offensively. How many times does Kentucky play that type of game and lose? Throughout, Think about it. If you're a Kentucky fan and you're listening, how many times have they done that throughout the course of your fanhood? Especially against inferior opponents. That's... That, that that's a step in the right direction for Kentucky football is the fact that they were able to not only win that game, but to win it by 17 at the end of the day. So for as ugly as it was for the UK fans, that are upset about it. I think those fans need to take a step back and realize this is not Alabama. This isn't traditionally LSU. This is Kentucky, and traditionally, they maybe don't win games like this, especially not by 17. So in a game that a lot of UK fans aren't thrilled with, a game that is being labeled as sloppy and uh, conservative, like I said, UK wins by, by 17 points. So that's, that's impressive. That's a step in the right direction, and that's certainly a positive. That being said, let's break down what happened in that game. What went right, what went wrong. And basically, after your first two series offensively, there's a lot that 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 did go wrong. First off, Patrick Toll should never run 22 times in a game. Ever. If he is your quarterback, if he's your quarterback of the future, at least for this season, 
and you were impressed with what he did against UT Martin, and you think he can build on that, which Neil Brown and UK staff thinks he could and will, you can't run him 22 get times against an inferior opponent against Ohio. Now, if you're playing against a Florida or you're playing against a Tennessee and you're in the game and all of a sudden Patrick Tolles gets hot on the ground and you're able to find holes and he's able to pick up five or six yards of carry, then then maybe you run him because you're playing against Florida or Tennessee or a big-time SEC program. But against Ohio, at some point, Neil Brown or Mark Stoops, and it seemed like Mark Stoops wasn't really aware at the end of the day that Tolles had ran that many times. But at some point, somebody in UK's coaching staff needed to needed to stop it and realize, hey, what if one of these hits takes him out? What if one of these hits are the hit that ends his season against Ohio when we're up at least 14 points the, the duration of the game? Two possessions. And also kind of took away from Kentucky's offense as a whole, and I, I don't know the answer for why that was. I know when the game, when it started raining and the ball got slippery. Maybe that had something to do with it, but they were running tolls a lot more before then. So I didn't feel that was the best best coaching job by UK, but they'll learn from it. It's still a staff that hasn't been together a long time. And, and the game did get ugly and, and kind of weird. UK not able to to really capitalize a lot in the end zone, or in the red zone, rather. UK's offense is certainly going to have to be a lot better against Florida if they're going to want to win that game. That might be the type of game on Saturday where it's going to be a shootout, and if Kentucky can't keep up, it could get ugly. Because, uh, And I'm going to talk about UK's defensive performance on Saturday as well. But in the Swamp... With a confident offense, Florida's going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to put up points. Uh, I, I would think Kentucky's going to be able to move the ball and put up points too. Uh, but there certainly were some signs that maybe that won't be the case based on how Kentucky looked against Ohio. It, things just got really crowded in the middle. Kentucky didn't utilize the outside, both in the passing game from the second quarter to the end of the game but certainly in the running game, they didn't really try to attack the corners of Ohio. And if they did, they didn't try to go wide enough. You didn't see any really any screen passes, if, if I'm remembering correctly. And I'm not sure why that's the case. And, and at the end of the day, what do we know? Maybe Kentucky did this on purpose. Maybe they slowed down the offense to not let Florida prepare for a couple things. Maybe that was the case. I don't think it is. I don't think that they were trying to not let Florida see a few plays. Could be wrong. We'll find out on Saturday. But something went wrong for the offense, and they need to fix that. And maybe it was because they didn't have Javis Blue, their their number one wide receiver, uh, that hasn't played a game this year. Maybe it's because they didn't have Braylon Hurd, who was out, and, and uh, I think showed that he was Kentucky's best running back. Whatever it was, Kentucky's offense stalled, and it can't stall. It can stall for a quarter. That's Every offense does that from time to time. But it can't stall for three quarters like it did. And the thing is, I don't even know if stall is the right word, because they were able to move the ball throughout the game. But once they got in the red zone, or close to the red zone, they couldn't do much. 
And if you have chances like that against bigger opponents, you've got to capitalize on them. You can't come away with a field goal. You can come away with a field goal against Ohio. You can't do that against Florida. Not every time. So we'll see. But a lot of fans, there was a post on our message board about at halftime when Kentucky held Ohio scoreless. The first time they've held back-to-back opponents scoreless at halftime since 1988, which is before I was born for those keeping score at home. And there's people on our message board that were disappointed with the defense's effort. Ohio did move the ball. They had, I think, two two field goal attempts. They did, they missed one that they probably should have made right before the end of the first half. They were able to move the ball at times. But how could any Kentucky fan be disappointed with a shutout at halftime? Who cares who you're playing? What is the Best case scenario for a defense when it comes to the scoreboard. I guess the first one would be the defense putting up points for themselves while holding the opponent to zero points. The second one is holding the opponent to zero points. And that's exactly what Kentucky did. So even if Ohio were able to drive the ball the length of the field and get down to the one-yard line and fumble it every possession, at the end of the day, if you have a shutout, that's a big deal. That's doing the right things. And Ohio didn't move the ball the length of the field during the game. They didn't. 50% of their possessions were three and outs. Think about that. Half the time they took the field, they were off the field just like that. Kentucky was also able to force another turnover. That gives them six on the season. That's nothing we've seen for a while from Kentucky that be plus six in the turnover margin. Ohio only averaged 2.6 yards per rush. So I, I, I was impressed with the defense. Again, does Florida score on a couple of those possessions if they give up uh, some of the, the plays that Kentucky gave up? They probably do. Is Florida going to score on... Is Florida going to score on Kentucky? They will. But I, I, Kentucky's defense showed me enough that it, it's going. It's first off much improved from last year. That's just a fact. Two, it's it's going to it's not going to get exposed terribly. And, and I said Florida that Florida game might be a shootout. That doesn't always mean that the defense was terrible. If if Kentucky gives up a few touchdowns but is able to create a few turnovers, then I think that's okay for Kentucky in a game at Florida. So that's some that's certainly going to be something to keep an eye on. I did a story on on Kentucky's defense after the Ohio win, and it doesn't seem like both Bud Dupree wasn't great in the season opener. I think he was pretty good on Saturdays. Darius Smith was okay in the season opener. I don't think he was great this past Saturday. So it doesn't seem like UK's star defensive end, star defensive players can put uh, two good games together in the same game. So I, I talked to them about that. I did a story, talked to the coaches about that. Basically, the gist of it is they're sacrificing maybe some of their blitzes, some of their big plays, for the for the better use of the defense, uh, that that could be an excuse. It'd be a good one if it was, but I also think there's some truth to it. 
they might be asking them to do more conservative things in hopes of helping the defense. And there's no arguing if that's what they're doing, that it's working. They might not be, be putting up the big numbers as many people, including myself, predicted. But UK's defense as a whole is certainly better. Uh, it's fun to watch AJ Stamps again. I forgot to mention this with the offense. Offensive line has to get better starting today, moving forward, or else Florida is going to have a field day. Ohio eventually found out that they were able to pressure tolls, and they were in the backfield time after time. They've got to get, they have to get better and be ready to pick up some pressure from Florida because Florida has the athletes to really make life difficult on tolls. And if he doesn't have time to throw, then you can kiss the air raid goodbye. Florida's first game against Idaho obviously was suspended and, and will not be made up. They absolutely dominated Eastern Michigan on Saturday and technically their first game of the year, winning 65 to nothing. Up 30 to nothing at halftime. So that's going to be it's going to be a tough test for Kentucky. Offensive line has to be better, though, or else UK doesn't stand a chance. And we'll talk more about that game. We'll preview that game later in the week. Cards got a big win on Saturday. So I think it's interesting between Kentucky and Louisville when they've played their FCS opponents, their Division II opponents, both Kentucky and Louisville have won by 45 points. Louisville scoring an extra touchdown against Murray State than Kentucky did against UT Martin. Cards also giving up an extra touchdown. I was typing and then driving back, so I didn't get to watch the Louisville game. Did listen to some of it. Yates, do you have any major takeaways from the Louisville game? Um, I don't know that you can have any major takeaways from a, a game against an FCS opponent. Um, the offense looked good. I thought Bonifon looked pretty good. Uh, LJ Scott looked really good uh, backing up Dominic Brown. I mean, all the running backs really looked pretty good. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't. I mean, you can't really take much away from from that kind of a game. Uh, Bonifon was, uh, I think, uh, based on Twitter and what I heard on the radio, was maybe one of the more impressive pieces of that game and really stood out. Uh, is it should, is it almost, you know, you know how offenses works and you know what fans like, they like the flashy player. They like the player that uh, can make something out of nothing, extend plays. Uh, and, and there's no denying that a scrambling quarterback is more exciting than a pocket passer. Uh, even though you, you look at the most successful quarterbacks in the NFL, they're all pocket passers. Uh, do you do you at all worry, Yates, that maybe some fans are getting maybe a little too high on Bonifon and, and giving Gardner a short leash to the point where if he has a bad game, they might be calling for a switch? Um, I mean, it's possible, but I mean, I don't know. At the same time, it's I mean, we've been in not even a similar. I mean, even even a more, I guess more interest in the backup quarterback before when Petrino was here the first time with LaFours and Brian Brom. I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of people that really wanted Brom to start from the beginning. 
and he I don't you know he he never really did anything when he had a chance to make people not want him. But I mean I don't feel like there was major call for LaFours to be replaced at the time. So I mean if if Gardner ends up playing terribly, then you'll start to hear things. But I think as long as he continues to play the way he's been playing, I don't think it's really going to be an issue. It, it, I'm curious to see how that works. And also, you know, Bonifant being the local Trinity talent, the only thing is I, I don't see a situation where Gardner has a bad enough game, at least for the next few weeks, where that could happen. Again, maybe... You, you know, that it's a double-edged sword to the point where I don't think Lul was going to really be tested in a major way over the next few weeks. On the flip side, if they are, then that could even be worse because they, they shouldn't be. So a lot of questions will be asked if that were to happen again. I don't think it will. So it, it, it could be nothing. And I wonder if they're going to maybe ever get cute and use Bonifon and maybe a uh, some type of wildcat package or Anything like that. Again, I didn't get to see the game Saturday. I don't think they did use him in that in that sense. But you could you could bring him in and even with the first team offense and, and use him for a play or two, give the defense a little something extra to prepare. And also you you mentioned Brian Brom fans kind of wanting him. Uh, the same thing with Hunter Cantwell to an extent when Brom was injured and Cantwell came in. That happens everywhere though. I the 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 sun, the grass is always greener with the backup quarterback until he gets in. So that's something to look out for. But Louisville's offense, obviously, putting points on the board. Fans are happy. It's kind of it does have a little feel of the old days for U of L football, and recruiting's getting better, which is huge for Louisville. Were you uh, happy to see Texas take one on the chin Saturday, Yates? Uh, not particularly. I don't harbor any hard feelings toward Charlie. I mean, assuming his success doesn't interfere with Louisville's success, I'd, I would rather see him win. And he did a lot of good things for the program. And, you know, aside from, you know, the, the, the story that he didn't say anything to his players before he left. I mean, he's pretty stand up guy. So I don't really, I'd rather see him win than see him lose. Uh, here's my worry, and I and I, I think you do have to like Charlie Strong as a person. Uh, he seems to go about things the right way, and that's probably more that's more rare these days, fewer and far between, uh, which is unfortunate. But he seems like a genuine person. Uh, here's my problem, and and I've I've heard this from people that live in Austin and. It seems like the writing almost is already on the wall with him. He's replacing a legend, which is never a good thing to do in college football or in any sport, college football or college basketball. You always want to be the next guy that replaces the legend, the guy after the guy. So he's replacing a legend. He kind of plays a, I wouldn't necessarily call it a boring style of football, but it's definitely not up-tempo. So uh, supposedly a lot of fans in Austin weren't thrilled with the hire to begin with. That's a that's usually a concern. Uh, a lot of fans weren't thrilled with the Billy Gillespie hire. I, I I thought it was a bad hire for what it's worth. Not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. 
So hopefully Texas gives him enough time to turn things around. Because I, I think at first off, it's really hard not to win at Texas in the long term. Two, uh, proven what he did at Louisville, he, he would certainly be able to do at Texas. Hopefully they give him enough time. But man, that was a terrible loss. And I know they're missing people, and I know they're, they've got a, a really short bench these days. But that was a bad loss. Brun DMC tweets in and says, BYU handed Charlie Strong the worst quarter, his, the third quarter of his career. Did not know that. Thanks for the, the fact. And then he also says, through two games, SMU totals negative 16 rushing yards. And that's another fun fact, too. That's not good. Negative 16 rushing yards is bad. I wonder if that's what the net is, though. Because I'm sure there's some sacks in there, and I imagine there's probably some bad sacks in there that are hurting that number. But that's a, no, no matter how you slice it, that's terrible. Oh, he brings up another good point. Strong's not a media guy. And that's true. They, they ask a lot. I think it is comparable with Texas football, with what John Calipari has to face with UK basketball. They want a lot out of you. They want you to talk a lot. They want you to go shake hands, kiss babies, get out in the community. And Charlie Strong wasn't the one to really want to do that at Louisville, which is why I think almost to an extent the Louisville job was perfect from him because uh, as long as Louisville is winning, they were at Louisville media, the pro Louisville media, that's not everybody. They were happy with not having to, with honoring Charlie's request. That won't fly in Texas. If he's winning, if he's losing, he's going to be asked to, to do all that stuff. He doesn't like it. The fans know he doesn't like it. That could rub some people. It already has rubbed some people the wrong way. So we're going to head to our last commercial break. We'll come back. Going to talk a little more NFL. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. Back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. And we're back here. One final segment, 1450, the Sports Buzz. Just an absolutely perfect day in Louisville. Got to figure out what I'm going to do to spend outside. Probably have to involve my dog in that, so it won't be anything too fun. A lot of holding on to a, a leash that is... Being yanked in every which direction but forward. So, oh well, being outside, you can't complain too much. Uh, that, I, I have to bring this up, but a lot of mixed emotions on Antonio Brown's ninja kick yesterday against the Browns. Me personally, I thought it was maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen in a football game. I mean, there's been some really good butt fumbles. There's been some people falling down without getting tackled. The There was a really funny interception yesterday in the NFL. But that is kind of stupid funny. This was athletically funny. Antonio Brown just running the punt return 
and then perfectly kicking the Browns punter in the face and then continuing continued to run. The bar I was at, I was at I, you would have thought we were at a stand-up comedy show the way everybody started laughing. I, I, everybody was. There were eight different games across the TV, but everybody, I think, saw that in real time and just started cracking up. So that was definitely my high. And a lot of people are talking it's dirty. I don't think – if that was a dirty play, then we are all under uh, underestimating the athleticism of Antonio Brown. I mean, maybe it was. And maybe he purposely wanted to kick him in the face. Uh, maybe he didn't – maybe he knew it was against the rules. He wanted to do it. But even then, just with how perfectly it was executed, I don't even know if I can call it dirty. The Browns punter was okay. Everybody's all right. I'm sure everybody will have a good laugh at it down the road. Brown was penalized for it, so he, he's, he, he it was punished. But that was just such a hilarious moment in the NFL yesterday to see that. Gates, I know I, I told you I was worried about my fantasy team, and I know a lot of people hate it when people talk about their fantasy teams. Well, uh, I'm those using... people should get radio shows and talk about whatever they want to talk about then. If we want to talk about exactly. fantasy, we'll talk about fantasy. Exactly. I've got, I've got a platform, and I'm using it to do what I want. Really, nothing makes me – I mean, not nothing. Plenty of things make me plenty more mad than the, the whiners on Twitter. I must have – there were probably – five or eight tweets on my tw- timeline yesterday right around one o'clock saying, and remember, nobody really, nobody cares about your fantasy team. Uh, I just wanted to tweet at all of them and say, no, you don't care about my fantasy team. Somebody might mind your own business and unfollow those people. It's that simple. If you're that mad, just if you don't like it that much, then unfollow the people that do it. As always, I do my radio show in uh, generally, generally do it in my apartment, and with such a beautiful day, we've opened the windows and the blinds, and we usually don't do that. Uh, never really noticed how many people walk very, very close to the windows at my apartment for seemingly no reason. Kind of concerning. Uh, throughout the radio show, there's been probably five or six people. We don't live in a busy part of the neighborhood. There's no reason people should be walking this close to the studio windows. Don't they know I'm doing live radio here? Making radio magic, giving hot sports takes? Kind of concerning. Anyways, the, the people if you're one of those people that complain about fantasy on Twitter, then either unfollow everybody or get a better attitude. I, for one, like to see people tweet about their fantasy teams. I really do, and I'm not just saying that because I'm because I like to talk about my fantasy team. And I really, I don't, I don't even know if I've tweeted about my fantasy team. I think I did tweet that I traded Marshawn Lynch on Thursday night, but that was just kind of some poke fun at TJ. But I like to read other people tweet about fantasy because then you get to look at reactions of that. You get to make your own opinion. It, it's almost like you're being. It's just. 
I think it, it can result in you being a better fantasy owner. So anyways, my team, uh, which I wasn't super thrilled about heading into the season, maybe I didn't have the best draft, but I, I still thought it was better than maybe what some other people in, in my fantasy league thought it was. And let me tell you this, if it wasn't for Tony Romo, I would be playing for a points championship this week. And I still could, unlikely, but I still could. I'd be playing for a points championship this week. And and that's pretty impressive. Tony Romo's so, so bad. The Cowboys were actually moving the ball pretty well. Defense wasn't doing terrible early in that game. And just some, none of his throws were even close. I, none of them. And then one of his big completions should have been picked off too. It just almost seemed like bad decision after bad decision. Like he didn't really even care what was going on. And how did so many 49ers fans get, in the, uh, get into Jerry World, AT&T Stadium? That was kind of surprising too. But if not for Tony Romo, I'd be playing for a points championship. And that would be, man, that would have been the best thing in the world to be able to rub that on their face. But uh, I, I traded for Roddy White. He had a great game, really just a great first half. He didn't really do anything in the second half besides one catch. If he could have put together two halves like he did, he would have been one of the top scorers, would have been the top scorer in the league. Greg Olson, the tight end for Carolina, did great, started him. Chris Johnson, who I was high on, him and Chris Ivory have big games. I wasn't crazy to see Chris Ivory also have a big game. I wish one of the two would have, and preferably Chris Johnson. But now it just seems like not one of those running backs really took the job. They're going to keep splitting. Eventually that's going to come back and bite him. Hopefully he doesn't bite Chris Johnson. Uh, I had Matt Bryant. Again, that's kind of lucky. He put up 18 points as a kicker. Cincinnati's D did did a good job. Kind of had uh, some a late collapse there in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, a good job out of a defense. T.Y. Hilton didn't do much for me last night. Wish he would have done a little bit better. Yeah, but the Colts' offense kind of looks strange. But I've got Reggie Bush and Bell tonight. I've got the Lions' backfield. Right now, my matchup, I'm down two, obviously, and he doesn't have anybody going, so obviously I'm going to win my matchup. I'm not concerned about that at all. But I need about 40 points combined out of those two, 20 points apiece, to win points for the week. Again, I know that's unlikely. Just hoping for a really high-scoring game. They just rotate Bush and Bell in every other play. They hand them off, get them passes, get them in space. We'll see if that happens. But I'm very, I'm, I'm much more optimistic about my team going forward. And also, Yates, you've you've heard the news about Josh Gordon, right? Uh, what news is that? He might not be out for the season after all. Oh yeah, I heard about that on Friday. Yeah, and, and made the wise decision to pick him up and let him sit on my roster for a little while until they decide. See, that's smart. That's a, that was a smart move on your part, Yates. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Uh, I'm ho- I'm hoping he gets I, – I could just have – I don't want to say a dominant team because I, I don't have a good enough quarterback to have a dominant team. But if 
if Josh Gordon comes back and Wes Welker can come back and just be close to what he was last year, I would start Josh Gordon, Roddy White, and Wes Welker as the flex and just have, I, I think, probably the best wide receiver core in my fantasy league. Running backs would be okay. I'd have to decide if I wanted to start Bush, Bell, or Chris Johnson. I had Mark Ingram on my bench. He looked good yesterday. I've got options. I'm going to work the trade wire. I'm pretty good at trades. Pretty good at convincing people stuff. Brun DMC's tweeting in. Said the Cowboys will be terrible as long as Jerry Jones is owning the team. I, 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 it's almost, I'm just glad I'm not a Cowboys fan. And, and I hate the amount of attention they get, but I think there was more tweets yesterday for their game than any other NFL football game uh, yesterday. I, I, I need to find the s- statistic. I don't want to make stuff up on the, on the air, but there was something significant about the amount of tweets during the Cowboys 49ers game. People watch them regardless of how terrible they are. Also, they had a primetime game at four o'clock, the only game on in most markets. So they receive a lot of attention, but they are fun to watch. And, and maybe it's kind of like when you see um, a bunch of garbage on fire. You want to look at it because it's interesting. You don't really know what's going on. Uh, that's kind of how it feels to watch a Cowboys game. Got to figure out what I'm going to do with my quarterback. We're out of time, though. We'll come back tomorrow. we got a big week ahead, preview some fun college football games. So join us tomorrow, 3 o'clock on 1450 The Sports Bus. Thanks for listening. And the country cold wind blows Where the city of lights still glow To my old Kentucky home My old Kentucky home They say welcome to the 502 Take the Jordan boy, show them how Kentucky